Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. You can find it in your pew Bible on page 1,830. 1,830. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. These are the triumphant words of God. May all who hear them rejoice in the Lord. Nancy was expecting a healthy baby girl, yet when hope was born, there were numerous defects. A specialist was brought in, and it was confirmed that hope had Zellweger syndrome. Untreatable and incurable, hope had approximately six months to live. When Nancy left the hospital, she wasn't bringing hope home to raise her, but to help her daughter die. How does someone like Nancy rejoice in the Lord? Often we confuse joy with happiness. As I was telling the children, happiness stems from the word happenstance. It is that good feeling you get when circumstances go your way. You get an A on your math test and you feel happy. Your team scores the winning touchdown and you feel happy. You get a raise at work and you feel happy. Technically, a mother of a newborn should feel happy because of the birth of her child. Yet when you get the news that this newborn has Zellweger syndrome, suddenly that happiness turns to grief, and rightly so. Joy, on the other hand, is quite different. Joy doesn't come from the environment around you. It is much deeper than that. Joy stems from a solid promise of hope. It is like that newly engaged bride that looks longingly towards her wedding day. Listen to what C.S. Lewis thought about joy. 
All joy reminds. It is never a possession, always a desire for something longer ago, or further away, or still about to be. No greater example of joy can be found than in those who have found faith in Christ. In our first scripture reading today, Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, we read this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this, into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the new hope of the glory of God. Joy is not dependent on our ever-changing world that is around us. Rather, it looks to something greater. Something that is firm and solid. It looks to God. Paul had been put in chains for the gospel. And the church of Philippi heard of his distress and sent to him an offering along with their servant, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus informed Paul of the persecution that the church was facing and the fact that they were struggling to maintain unity. So in Paul's letter, he encouraged them to stand firm in the Lord. They shouldn't back away from proclaiming the true message of Christ. And he challenged them to be unified by putting the needs of others ahead of their own needs. And remembering that it was Christ who united them in the first place. And now, Paul gives to them this command. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We've come to what many... Theologians think is Paul's theme of this letter. And it's at least the theme of his con conclusion. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's not enough to just say it once. But through repetition, Paul stressed the importance of this command from God to rejoice. And notice too, the future tense he used the second time around. Paul didn't say, I say it again. But he said, I will say it again. It's as if he's anticipating their objections. How can you say rejoice when everyone in the church is fighting with one another? Who can rejoice when we are being persecuted for the faith? Where is there any joy in our suffering. How am I supposed to rejoice when I am in so much pain? Again, real joy is not like happiness. It doesn't depend on one's worldly circumstances. It doesn't even depend how one is feeling at that moment. Christian joy does not look inward. Rather, it looks out beyond the trappings of this world to the infinite God 
who has rescued you. This is a strange thing about joy. A person can experience genuine joy in the Lord while simultaneously experiencing feelings of hurt or sadness or grief. This command to rejoice always does not mean that you are to push down all your feelings and just put on a happy face. The Christian life is not a life of pure happiness. There will come times when tears and wailing are appropriate. Pain and sadness will come your way. Yet you can experience joy in those moments. Hope, that tiny baby with Zellweger syndrome, lived 199 days. Yet those 199 days brought real joy to the lives of Nancy and her husband, David. Yes, they experienced grief and sorrow. Tears were shed during that time. Yet Nancy learned that life is not valued by what a person can contribute to society or by the length and quality of that life. Rather, life made in the image of God is precious, no matter how fruitful that life is. And that gave her joy. Verses 5 through 7. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul now gave practical instructions on how to rejoice. First is having a spirit of gentleness. This implies being selfless and showing respect for others. You may be suffering, but there are others around you who suffer as well. Brothers and sisters, do you let your circumstances control how you interact with one another? Or are you guided by the Holy Spirit, demonstrating patience and consideration that comes from God? In other words, are you gentle? For the Lord is near. Christ, though he cannot be seen, he is present. Whatever pain you are going through, whatever injustices you face, Jesus is right there with you. This is why Paul encouraged the church to put on the mind of Christ. For Jesus not only humbled himself, but he understands suffering to its fullest extent. He shows compassion to the weary And he lifts up the oppressed. Christ is gentle. Because of this, one can put away 
their anxiety. The church in Philippi had much to be anxious about. They worried about their father in the faith who sat in a Roman prison. They felt the pressures of a society that oppressed the gospel message. And they were distressed over the divisions that had been built up within their church. Yet Paul now charged them to bring their troubles to God. And he used four words to describe this. Giving a full array of how to approach the throne room of heaven. Prayer. Petition. Thanksgiving. And requests. Prayer is a broader category of communicating with God. It is entering into fellowship with the king. Petition is making known one's needs to the Father. This could entail everyday things such as food or shelter or the financial stresses that come about in our current society. Thanksgiving is demonstrating a grateful heart to the Lord who rescued you from peril. It is dwelling on the promises of God and taking joy in the mercy of your King. And finally, requests are the specific concerns on a person's heart. Maybe a loved one needs healing. Or perhaps a friend does not yet know the Lord. So you ask God for their salvation. Prayer is the antidote to anxiety. It lifts the stresses of this world off your shoulders and places the burden upon God. And what does Paul say next? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Once your worries have been given over to God, he returns to you his peace. Peace is anxiety's opposite. It makes no sense how a person can be at peace while undergoing turmoil. Yet God is able to do such things. It transcends our understanding. A person such as Paul, who had lost his freedom and was behind bars, he could experience genuine contentment simply because God had lifted his worries. Jesus was guarding his heart and his mind with his peace. When life makes no sense at all, God's peace acts like a guardian angel over the souls of those who come to him in prayer. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul now instructed the church on genuine positive thinking. 
This isn't the, the false teaching that you get from the likes of Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer or Oprah. Or from best-selling books like The Secret. They will tell you that your positive thinking and your positive words will bring out positive outcomes in this life. Paul has no such illusions. He does not think that his situation will change just because he thinks positively. Rather, he is lifting his mind above the fray, focusing on things that are from God. And there are eight categories to dwell upon. First, whatever is true. Truth can be found in God's Word. It is from there that one learns of God's covenant promises and the true path of salvation that brings you joy. Second, whatever is noble. If anything is honorable or deserving of respect. Third, whatever is right, things that are just and correct. Next, whatever is pure, things that are holy, set apart for God. Fifth, whatever is lovely, attractive according to God's definition of beauty. Six, whatever is admirable or commendable, those things that you can proudly be associated with. Seventh, if anything is excellent, those things that achieve a high standard. And finally, if anything is praiseworthy, the most praiseworthy thing is your creator God who gives and sustains all life. This is true positive thinking. Dwelling on those good things that come from your Father in heaven. And did you notice that all eight perfectly describe your Lord? Jesus is the truth. Jesus is noble. Jesus is right. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. He is admirable. He is excellent. And Jesus is praiseworthy. These are the virtues that describe your God. And they are the virtues that should describe his people as well. So let your minds dwell upon Christ. You see, to rejoice in the Lord it is not enough to act with gentleness. And it is not enough to give your anxieties over to God through prayer. But one must have the right frame of mind as well. As Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By dwelling on these eight categories, by dwelling upon Christ. God will transform you into his likeness. This is how Paul learned to rejoice, even while sitting in a prison cell. Now he called upon the church in Philippi to do likewise. 
They were to follow his example. As his disciples, they were expected to imitate him as he imitated Christ. By doing so, the God of peace would be with them. When one lives in God's will, no matter what their circumstances may be, they will live in peace. And they will be able to rejoice in the Lord. Nancy and David went through medical procedures to make sure that they would no longer be able to have children. Despite their efforts, about a year and a half later, Nancy found herself pregnant again, this time with a boy. He, too, had Zellweger syndrome. God had once again asked Nancy and her husband to go through the pain of bringing a child home to die. Gabe was born in 2001 and lived 183 days. This time, God had only given them 183 days to love and cherish their precious little gift. Gabe and Hope, brother and sister, are now buried next to one another in the same funeral plot. Today, Nancy and David lead a ministry where they help parents who are coping with deaths of their young children. You see, though their circumstances took away their happiness, it did not rob them of their joy. For the whole time they grieved, the Lord was near. While joy does stem from a solid promise of hope, often there are steps in between that are not so fun. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. In times of pain, God is near. He is close to those who are hurting. He uses tragic circumstances to produce perseverance and character and hope. But that is not all. Let's continue a little further in our reading of Romans 5, starting in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when, God, if, when we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Dear friends, real joy comes from knowing that Jesus paid for it all on the cross. Every sin you have committed, every transgression against God, he has reconciled you to the Father. True joy comes to you by setting your gaze upon the glory that is your God. So yes, you can rejoice in your sufferings. For Christ suffered for you. And Christ suffers with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you fill our hearts with joy. As we go through life and it beats us down, we, can, we know we can look to something that is more solid. The hope that we have in you. We look to your son who died on the cross for our sins. We look to your Holy Spirit, our comforter in times of misery. And we look to you, our Heavenly Father, for you have adopted us into your family. We praise you and we thank you. More than that, we rejoice in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.